0: Uh, the other day after the service was very kind and said something about they appreciated the sermon, but said that sermon really hit me today. Well, let me tell you, sometimes, sometimes the person that needs to be affected the most by a sermon is the preacher. He ought to be the first one to be affected by it. And sometimes uh, the message I preach hits me harder than anyone else. Two weeks ago, I preached a message from the book of Colossians, and you may be turning there if you would. The message was entitled, Christ is All. And uh, since then, that's uh, about all I can think about. Christ is All. I'm not very smart, but I'm smart enough to know that I have fewer days ahead of me than than I do behind me, and and I don't know when they might end. Uh, I I'd like to be able to preach until I was 90 or 100. It makes me no difference. I want to preach as long as I'm here on this earth. But uh, there's sometimes I wonder if I'll be able to keep uh, preaching until the end of the year. And, if that's what God wants, well, that's, uh, he knows better than I do. Uh, but I'm saying that for a reason, that uh, one of the toughest things about being a pastor is uh, trying to teach all of the major doctrines of the Bible and to not leave anything out. And there are so many different things that, that people need, d- desperately need, truths of the Bible that Brother Kenneth and I, we don't always have time to get to all of those subjects that might be of interest and of help to you. And so, there's so many different things I can think of that that need to be covered, that we don't have time for. And in addition to that, as a pastor, you want to be able to comfort and to encourage those that are going through difficult times. And if pastors aren't careful, they unintentionally put Christ in the background rather than the forefront where he ought to be. I don't want to be guilty of that. I don't know how much time I've got left on this earth, but I want to make sure that that all of that time is spent emphasizing the fact that Christ is all. Amen. And I, I mentioned this this morning because I'm going to start a new series of messages on today, Sunday morning messages that have to do with Christ, as you maybe already guessed. But the messages will be related to the uh, uh, prepositions in the Bible that relate to Christ, that are connected with him, such as the preposition through or on or in, under, uh, unto for like and so forth and so maybe you're thinking well I'm not too sure I'll be interested in all of that well that's a good sign you really need to be here if that doesn't interest you you need to be here today I'm going to speak on the on the phrase through Christ from Colossians chapter 1 And while you're turning there, I want to read one verse from John chapter 3. Everybody here could quote verse 16. But verse 17 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. Aren't you glad? But that the world through Him might be saved a preposition is a word that connects a noun or a pronoun with another word now if you know me very well you know i'm probably the last person in the world that you want to uh, that you want to uh, ask questions about the english language i realize i don't pronounce all of my words uh, as they should be i understand that and most of the time whenever i'm doing it i i know what's happening i just can't stop it. That, You know, when you've been doing something since you were a boy, born in the Ozarks, and you grow up pronouncing certain words certain ways, it's just hard to break that habit. And so don't ask me the grammar questions, because I don't know. But I do know this much, that these prepositions connect something with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the connection there. And it becomes obvious, as insignificant as, as the preposition through is, just that word itself really doesn't mean anything. It means, you know, to go in one place and out the other. I, that, we, we know that, but there's nothing exciting about that, but it becomes precious and profound when you connect it with the word Christ. And these prepositions are used throughout the New Testament to describe the different facets of our relationship with Christ. We can't possibly describe our relationship with the Lord by any one word. We talk about being the sons of God. We talk about being disciples. We talk about being believers. We talk about being servants and the friend of the Lord. And so all of these different words, well, just as you might look at a diamond that's made up of many different facets to catch the light and to give a brilliance to the stone, even so when we look in the Word of God and we look at these prepositions here in relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, each one is like a different facet as it's trying to describe to us the one who the Bible says is altogether lovely. And I hope that you see him in that light this morning. Now, the verse I just read from John tells us that we are saved through him. It would be impossible in any one message to consider all of all of our thoughts about the, the phrase, through Christ. So I want to focus this morning here in Colossians 1 and verse 12 down through verse 22. At some point we'll look at all of those verses. Now remember, according to the Bible, the natural man is alienated from God. That is, he's separated from God by a gulf that is so wide that he cannot span the gap. He is unfit and unable to approach God. It would be utterly impossible for any of us to come unto the Lord, for any of us to be accepted by the Lord were it not for the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible tells us in First Timothy chapter 2, it speaks about a mediator now a mediator is a go between someone who who mediates between two parties with the view of producing peace it's someone who is acting as a guarantee so as to secure something that otherwise could never be obtained. And that's exactly what Christ does. He's the mediator, the go-between. He's standing in the gap between you and God to make a way that through Him, you can come to the Lord. And seeing Him in that light this morning, I want you to consider three glorious truths that relate to this subject through Christ. First of all, We see that through Christ there is a revelation. Unsaved people have two serious problems. Number one, they are spiritually blind. They're blind to spiritual truths. You might as well argue with a lamppost out here as to argue with someone that is unsaved about spiritual things because you don't have the ability to enlighten them. Only the Word of God can do that. So here they are staggering through this world as a blind person spiritually that's unable to find their way. And, and, you know, just telling a man that that he has to just search until eventually he finds God. That's like telling a little baby that he needs to just crawl until finally he discovers the North Pole. It's impossible. That's not going to happen. So that's the first problem of every unsaved person. But there's another problem, and Paul deals with it in chapter 2 of this letter, and that problem is the man's problem is made worse by the fact that there are others who would mislead him. There are false teachers that would, uh, that would lead us astray. And Paul goes to great length to warn them in chapter 2 about these false teachers. So we have only one thing to depend upon, and that's the Word of God. Only one hope that we can depend upon, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ who said, I am the way. Now notice in verse number 15, Paul says, speaking of Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. This is speaking about the revelation that Christ provides for the sinner who is blind. Notice it says here, he is the image of the invisible God the image of the invisible God. No man hath seen God at any time, but the Lord said to Philip, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. You ought to know what God looks like. Just consider the Lord Jesus Christ. During the Old Testament, God communicated with man in different ways. It might be through a dream or visions or some sort of a trance or maybe it was a, prophetic utterance from one of the many prophets and what have you. But no revelation ever given could possibly compare with the revelation of Jesus Christ when He came. Hebrews chapter number 1 tells us, beginning in verse 1, God who at sundry times in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us, By his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being, now listen carefully, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high." Again, we see the fact of God saying that he is revealing himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Lord came, he revealed what God is and what man ought to be. We see God personified in the person of Christ. I remember when I was a young boy, had never read the Bible, didn't own the Bible, had never attended church church. But I can remember sleeping in the summertime on hot days like this out in the backyard. We often did that. Sis and I would put a pallet down in the backyard and sleep out there. And I can remember laying in the backyard and looking up in the starry sky and and just thinking to myself and wondering how in the world did, did all of this happen? Where did it come from? My Young inquisitive mind just naturally wondered about that. And, and I'm sure many of you have felt the same way. And, and we look into the heavens and we can see that, that surely there must be a designer. Surely there must be a creator. Surely there must be some power that holds us all together. But as wonderful as that is in telling us about God, it does not tell us how to get to God we need more than that and that's why Jesus came he came that through him we have a revelation as to how we can get to God secondly when we talk about this phrase through Christ it means more than a revelation thank God for that I mean what if that's all there was to it God is just putting himself on display, as wonderful as that is, through Jesus he bears record to the fact that God really does exist, and that he's all-powerful, wonderful, but what now? Well, look at verse 12. Paul knew that you would be asking that question. So speaking of the Lord, he says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us Meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We not only through Christ have a revelation, we have redemption That word redemption is something that was well known by all of the people in that day. Literally, it just means a loosening. It means a ransom that has been paid in full, a deliverance by the payment of a price. And it was a word that people used in reference to the slaves. Back then, a person, if he was able, could go down to the slave market. Imagine that. Going to a slave market. Examining the merchandise and making a bid for another human being. How awful, how terrible that is. And when a person was redeemed, they were purchased out of that situation. Humanly speaking, they sometimes perhaps went to a worse situation. And the people knowing that, At times, it was the possibility of a kinsman redeemer, someone that was related. And here is someone that has literally sold themselves into slavery by their indebtedness or whatever it is, and they are enslaved. But there is a relative who is deeply concerned about them and able to provide the cost to get them out of that situation, the kinsman redeemer, and they would go and they would pay the price and bring them out. And this is an apt picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he does for us. Because the natural man is enslaved and he needs deliverance. He's spiritually bankrupt. He he, he doesn't have a spiritual penny to his name. He has nothing whereby he can redeem himself. He can't reach down and lift himself up by his own bootstraps. He is helpless And in dire need, in seemingly a hopeless situation, he can't help himself. And no unsaved person can help themselves when it comes to the matter of salvation. That takes redemption. Complicating the issue is the fact that others can't help in this matter. One slave could not redeem another slave. And since we are all sinners and we are all indebted, there's nothing that we can do to redeem one another. I incurred my own sin debt by my violation of God's laws. As much as I would like to, when I think about our eight children and all of the grandchildren and great-grandchildren, as much as I would like to, if it depended upon me and my ability and my desire, none of them would ever die and go to hell. None of them would, because I would do everything in my power to make sure that they didn't. But it's not in my power to do that. I have my own indebtedness to deal with. And thank God there is someone that cared enough and not only cared enough, somebody that was able to pay my sin debt and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Even our dearest friends on earth cannot help us. It's only through Christ that we are redeemed. And without Him, we're helpless. Without Him, we are hopeless. But verse 14 says, we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. It's so heartbreaking to see so many people confused about the matter of redemption people that are, have listened to the false prophets, and thereby depending upon things that are of no help whatsoever. You can't be redeemed through your church. There are people that believe that. They think that by joining with a certain denomination, a certain church, that that is their ticket to heaven. You can join every church in town, and there is no one that will ever be saved by being a member of a certain church. Not only that, you can't be redeemed by your conduct, regardless of how hard you can try. You can grit your teeth teeth scotch your feet square your shoulders you can determine you know i'm going to quit this bad habit and that bad habit and i'm going to straighten up and fly right and and i'm i'm going to do what a christian would or what a christian should and you might do what a christian would or should but that won't get you to heaven because they they're not getting to heaven by what they do you can't get there by church you can't get there by your conduct you can't get there by your contributions How much you give unto the Lord. Some people have the idea, you know, by the way, in the society that we live in today, if you've got enough money, you can buy yourself out of of almost any kind of a problem. But you can't buy yourself out of the problem that you have with God as a sinner. It's only through Christ that you can be redeemed. I'm glad that we can sing that blessed old song Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. What a wonderful thing to know that you have been redeemed. That God has taken you out of the slave market of sin. We talk about salvation. Some folks just stop and think about salvation just being something that keeps you out of hell and gets you into heaven. But it is a lot more than that. It is a deliverance. It is a deliverance. It is because of our redemption that the Lord says that He makes us new creatures. We're Not the same people that we used to be. All of the past is behind us. All of our sins are hid, as it were, in the depths of the sea. God said, I put them behind my back. I'll remember them no more. They are separated from me as far as the east is from the west. Thank God I don't ever have to worry about any of the sins that I've ever committed because I've been redeemed. We have a revelation through Christ. A revelation that could not come any other way. We have redemption through Christ. Redemption that could not happen any other way. Now I want you to look at verse 20. We see also that through Christ we have reconciliation. He says, And having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him, "...to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through faith to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight." Reconciliation means to conform to a standard. It's to change from one position to another. And it's used in the Bible to speak about us as sinners being brought into a new and into a right standing with God. And notice there in verse 21, he's describing the sinner as being alienated from God. That's where we started out with our comments, alienated from God. What an awful thought that is, that there is this great, glorious God, the Creator of all things, this great, glorious God who has all to offer, and yet we are alienated, cut off, separated from Him. But there's more to it than that. He says we're not only alienated, but he says that we are the enemies of God. A lot of folks have the idea that they're neutral about God, neutral about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it would insult them for someone to tell them that you are God's enemy. You're God's enemy. Now, that's not the way God wants it to be, by the way. It's His holiness that demands that we have to follow the righteous standard that he has set we call it the law and yet none of us are able to do that so in order to for us to come up to that standard in order for us to be accepted we have to be redeemed out of the horrible condition that we're in and through that redemption we are reconciled to God we're brought into a proper right relationship with God What a horrible picture it is. And by the way, it's not just a horrible picture to think about the unsaved person as the enemy of God. It is a terrible thing for us to, you know, look back and to think about ourselves in that condition and yet powerless to change our condition. Before I was saved, I knew something was drastically wrong in my life. At that point in time, I didn't know exactly what it was. And for for my wife's sake, for the sake of my children, there there come a time when I got so sick of my sins that I wanted to I wanted to change. I wanted to be a different man than what I was, and I was willing, you know, to do whatever I could. But I was powerless to change. I couldn't stop drinking. There's no way in the world. I tried that. It doesn't work. Now, Don't misunderstand. It's true that man can make some changes. I've known people, unsaved people who make good neighbors. They've made changes in their life. They're kind to other people and generous toward those that are in need and what have you. So Let's not kid ourselves. People can make some changes, but no one can make the change that needs to be made. Because man needs reconciliation, not reformation. And just changing your manner of life is not enough to be acceptable to God. Because regardless of how hard we try, we can never make ourselves acceptable to God. Only Christ can do that. There in Romans, I mentioned chapter 5 and verse 8 a while ago, but there in verse 6 on down through verse 11, it talks about the believer's beautiful benefits. Turn over there in your Bible, Romans chapter 5. Now, I want you to consider this because whenever we are brought into a proper relationship with God, when we are accepted by the Lord, I want you to notice here what happens. He speaks, first of all, in verse 1, about the fact that we've been justified and we have peace. Isn't that great? Some folks been looking for peace all of their life and never able to secure it and never will find peace apart from Christ. And then he says, verse 2, we have access, access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice, notice, in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience, experience and experience, hope and hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And we read on and on through these verses here, and Paul is elaborating about the beautiful benefits that we have as a result of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Through our faith in him. We secure what he has provided through his blood on the cross. Through Christ we we receive a revelation. That provides the spiritual perception that we need. Without it we would be forever lost. Through Christ we receive redemption. And that provides a pardon. Thank God for that, that our sins are all forgiven. The record's clear today for He washed my sins away. The old account was settled long ago. Through Christ, we also have reconciliation, and that provides peace in our heart. Oh, I wish I had time to talk about the other things that we could mention, the things that we have through Christ. We could talk about His riches. Think about that The exceeding greatness of his riches, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the one who owns it all is now our father. And to think about the riches that we have by virtue of being a child of God and heir, a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. We think about through Christ the resources that we have as a child of God. That's why we don't have to worry and fret about whether God's going to take care of us or not. God promised that He would and He can't lie and He's never failed. You can count on it when God says He'll provide all of your need according to His riches in glory. That's going to happen. We have reason to rejoice this morning. But all that we have, the revelation, the reconciliation, and and being redeemed from sin is all through and only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think this morning, I want you to think about where you are and where you will be without Him. I mean, even as a Christian, it helps us to stop and think about where we would be without Him. I've often thought of that. Where we would be without Him how sad, I'd probably still be out here. I'd either be, I'd either be six foot under or out here on a bar stool somewhere without him. But if you've never received Christ, you need to think about where you are right now without Christ. Because you're living, you're living in the grip of sin, enslaved by it. You're living with the guilt of sin upon you and the grief that is caused by sin. It's inescapable. What a horrible condition. I'd rather be in jail than to be in a shape like that. I'd rather be sick and in the hospital. I'd rather be dying than be in a shape like that. I'm just trying to tell you out of love if you're here and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior you couldn't be in worse shape here on this earth than you are right now. You're in dangerous territory but you need to think also what it will be like later without Christ because it's not over when it's over here on earth. You don't just like die like a dog and go back to dust, oh no. The Bible says there's a great white throne judgment whereby that every unsaved person is going to stand before God as condemned sinners. and There they'll be banished from the very presence of God, cast into the lake of fire, and punished in hell forever and ever and ever. No second chances. No way out. But thank God this morning there is a way out for you, and there's a way out for everyone and it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've already been saved, you ought, to, you ought to rejoice this morning. and Go away just thanking God for what you have through Christ. But also, if you're here today and been saved, you need to think about your loved ones. Your loved ones that are without Christ this morning. Because they're headed for a Christless eternity. And I love what Paul said, and he's speaking about this very issue that of what we have through Christ, what God has done for us through Christ. In Second Corinthians chapter 5, he tells us that we are ministers of, of reconciliation. If you're, if you're a child of God, you are to be a minister of reconciliation to others. God has already commissioned you to go, as it were, into all of the world, but certainly to your loved ones, and to let them know, let them know what they can have, what they can become through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not enough just to, you know, give it a try one time and they reject your invitation to church. We need time and time and time again to do our very best to help them understand what they're missing when they're without Christ. And I just pray this morning that all of us will leave here today thinking, hallelujah, what a Savior who can take a poor lost sinner, lift him from the miry clay and set him free. I will ever tell the story shouting glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah, Jesus lifted me amen he lifted us up out of that old miry clay out of the horrible pit and put our feet on a solid rock that's the security that we have in him this morning and let's do our best to share that news with somebody else that right now at this moment is without the lord jesus christ let's stand together some musicians come and We're going to sing a verse of invitation this morning. Brother Kenneth is going to be right here. He'll meet you here. And if we can be of any help whatsoever, if God's speaking to your heart today, it might be you just want to come and pray. I don't know, but if you need to do business with God, there'll never be a better time. There might not ever be another time that you'll have the opportunity. While we sing, Brother Scott.